let's concentrate on daily getting the basics right. And that's what this episode and episode number 36 is going to give you. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. You are here now on episode number 35. And before I get into introducing today's amazing and beautiful guest, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you again to everybody, not only who downloaded and listened to the last episode, which really blew me away. The amount of downloads in the first hour alone really shocked me. You guys were waiting a long time for that episode. But especially for the people that reached out personally to me and sent me messages of support, the amount of people who said how brave it was and how inspiring that last episode was, really, really touched me because as you'll know, if you listen to the last episode, it was a real tough one to record. I kind of didn't want to do it for a long while. I was I was sort of um, shoehorned into doing it a little bit by my coach, but uh, I'm really, really glad I did it because it's, it's clearly resonated with so many people. It's made such a difference to a lot of people, even over the last few days since it's been released. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And thank you to everybody who's reached out and contacted me after listening to that episode. So here we are, back in the room today with episode number 35, and I'm so pleased to welcome onto the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast, Pollyanna Hale from the Fit Mum Formula. I just said this is episode 35. Really, for what we're going to talk about today, I should have had Pollyanna on episode one or two, because she's going to help me strip nutrition and weight loss and exercise right back down to its very foundations, so that everyone who's listening, no matter what stage you're at, you could really take away some great advice today, some hints and tips to just get you moving in the right direction, just to get you living a healthier life. Even if in the past you may have been up to like Olympic level nutrition, but you've just got a bit lost over the previous years, you know, work commitments have got a bit much. Maybe you've had a couple of kids and they're taking up a lot of your time and you're struggling with daycare and you try to juggle about five or six different things any any one given moment. Listening to Pollyanna today, she's going to give you some great hints and tips that just are so, so simple. You're going to wonder how you didn't think of them before. We're going to talk about, over the next couple of episodes, great, nutritious, tasty meals that you can do in minutes. Okay, minutes. And it's so, so easy to do. Great exercise tips as well. And one thing I've rarely talked about on the podcast so far is calories. That very basic ingredient to your weight loss journey, the energy ingoings and outgoings, what are you eating, how much are you eating, and how, how much should you be eating. It's so, so basic, but it's so, so important if you're trying to lose weight. We're going to get right down to the basics of that and find out exactly what a calorie is, what a macronutrient is, how many of them you should be eating, and the differences between carbs, fats, proteins why you shouldn't be scared of carbs, the different forms that carbs come in. We're going to get into everything, real basic level here, guys. So if you are struggling or if you're just on the very start of your journey, maybe even if you're listening to these podcasts and you don't know where to begin, I'm telling you now, this episode here, number 35, this is the place to begin. This is where you're going to get all your basic advice from. And I say basic, but we all need to keep revisiting the basics because 
we can start there and we can go so far along a journey and we get ourselves so lost sometimes, so confused. We read all these magazines and these these articles on social media and on websites and we just get ourselves too confused. Let's concentrate on daily getting the basics right. And that's what this episode and episode number 36 is going to give you. So I don't want to talk about it too much now. I want to bring Pollyanna in straight away. We're going to get straight into this. You're just going to get 20 minutes of great information that you can take away today, as always on the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast, that you could use to start living a healthier life. And don't forget to stay on after I've talked to Pollyanna because I want to just explain one thing that one of my friends reached out to me about after the last episode, and I think it's really, really going to hit home with so many people. It's something that I'd not really thought of before, but it's been pointed out to me this weekend, and I can't wait to share that with you. So stay behind for that one. But right now, let's get straight into it. This is episode number 35 with the amazing Pollyanna Hale. Hello, Pollyanna. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to it. Pleasure. We are going to talk a lot about diets um, today. Uh, We're going to cover every aspect of diet. What I'd like to say, or what I'd like to ask you first of all, what do you think is the perfect diet? And is there a perfect diet? Everyone's going to hate this answer, but the perfect diet is the diet that works for you <laughs> so if we if you ask me is there a perfect textbook diet as in one meal plan or one diet type we could give to everybody no that's not going to work for a variety of reasons um number one is we're all physiologically different we've all got different genetics we've got different muscle types we've got different um we've, yeah we're all different biologically Uh, We've got different lifestyles. Some people have an unlimited budget for food. Some people are on a very tight budget. Some people have loads of time to cook and shop and prepare food. Some people barely have time to do more than open a packet of crisps. Um, Sometimes we're cooking for ourselves and we can eat whatever exactly we want. Other people have to cook for a family and they take into consideration what everyone else will eat as well. So there's no way one diet is going to fit all of those criteria for everyone because we are just different. But there are some similarities between pretty much every single diet type out there that we can pull together and everyone should be implementing. So yeah, that's, that's that answers that one. Why, why do you think then that so many generic diet plans exist and, and they're so popular as well? You know, people, the Weight Watchers, the Slimming World, like, you know, your body coach diet. It's a very basic, take this away, do this, you're going to be fit and healthy. Why do you think that works? Or not, not saying that the diet works, but why do you think that sort of approach works for these businesses so well? Why do they sell so many of these plans? I think it comes down to human psychology. Humans like to have uh, a concrete answer. They, we don't like the unknown. We don't like uh, we don't like dead like dead ends. We like to know um, exactly what's happening, what we've got to do. We like very clear cut answers, and that's what these plans do provide. They're very very clear cut. Like eat this, don't eat that. This amount of this this amount of that, um, these are the rules, these are the guidelines, stick to them and it'll work. And because it's so concrete, 
um, it kind of satisfies that human need for certainty and certainty is one of those human needs that are very high up and, and we we don't like not knowing things, not knowing the answers to things and they really do fulfill that need. So I think when people, and also people are tired and they're busy and they're short on time and they don't have the knowledge that you and I have as professionals. So they don't, and they don't have the inclination to go and learn either. They're not going to go and suddenly study for a degree in it as a dietitian. So they just want the quick answer. Just tell me what to eat and I'll do it. Um, unfortunately, I wish it was that simple. I really, really do. Um, but it's not, but, as I said, there are some things that are pretty simple that everyone can take away. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to them in a minute. But why do you think things like Weight Watchers, Slimming World and these generic plans, why do they work? And in a lot of cases, they work really well for the short time, say the 12-week program, or, or whilst you're in a Weight Watchers, Slimming World program, they work well. Why do you think it then goes pear-shaped when they come out? You've just touched on knowledge. I'm guessing that's one of the reasons why. Well, certainly with some diet plans, there is very little emphasis on nutritional knowledge and people are essentially given a food list or a plan to follow and they don't get taught why they're following it, why it might work, why it might not work. All they're doing is following an instruction manual. So without that instruction manual, they don't know what to eat. They'll go and do, say, Weight Watch or Slimming Well for, I don't know, three months if they follow their plan properly if they stick to their points allowance they should technically lose weight because counting points and sins is is sort of a, a way of counting calories it's not an exact but it's, it's basically around food restriction calorie restriction so they should lose weight but without those guidelines they come off it and they stop counting points or sins they haven't learned anything so they still don't know how to eat well so inevitably, they're quite possibly going to go back to their old ways of eating that made them really overweight and unhealthy in the first place. And I think education has to be a key part of any kind of dietary approach, whatever that might be. I'm really keen on making sure that my mums understand why they're doing things. Because I know from my personality point of view, I'm a bit stubborn. And if I don't understand why I've got to do something and the logics behind it, I'm pretty reluctant to do it and just put my faith in something. I, I'm really curious. I want to know how it's working, why it's working. Then when I can see logically why it's working, then I can do it. And not only that, am I more motivated to do it? And I think if, if and also once you've got that knowledge, you don't need a plan so much because when you're in a situation where you don't have so much control of your food, maybe you're on holiday, going out to restaurants, maybe you're and doing long days commuting and you're basically eating out of cafes and coffee shops if you've got the right knowledge you can still eat really really well even i mean even places like mcdonald's do salads these days you know you could you can eat pretty well anywhere if you know how but you, you know if you don't have that knowledge then that's just not going to happen yeah spot on i think with weight watchers if you're just living off the because you can get a lot of processed foods from weight watchers and they've got the points and the calories all worked out you take that away exactly like you say you go to a cafe you don't know what to eat it's really really difficult so how do you approach it with your clients because you touched on calories there slimming world and weight watchers are a big bugbear of mine because you can eat 2000 calories you could eat 10 slices of cake a day or you could eat 20 really good wholesome meals a day and you know which is going to be better for you so how do you educate your clients so that they can they can cope when they're not with you 
You've got to keep it really, really simple. I think a big problem that most people do is think it's a lot more complicated than it has to be. Um, they think they have to be excellent in the kitchen. They think they have to be making elaborate, full-on recipes every single day. They have to be following cookbook plans. Um, they have to be buying expensive foods and, and organic this and superfood that. Um, and they really try and overcomplicate things. So I try and take it right back to basics. And the most important thing when it comes to weight loss or weight gain or weight maintenance even is calories. So the first thing we have to do is make sure that calories in check. But ironically, unless somebody is dead set on using things like MyFitnessPal to track their food or they just want to count up the calories in their food throughout the day, I'm actually not keen on going to calories directly because although calories matter, there are more than one ways, as you say, to hit your calorie allowance. You can eat an amount of food or amount of calories that makes you lose weight by eating cake or Mars bars. That is very, very possible. So just going for calories directly isn't necessarily going to help because if you're eating calorie-dense, unhealthy foods like that, you're not going to have energy. You're going to be hungry because that's not an enormous amount of volume of food. Um, if you're eating high-sugar foods, just purely high-sugar, high-carb foods, you're going to get this energy roller coaster. You're going to get cravings. You're not going to be sleeping well. So I try and tackle it by implementing food strategies that mean that calories get reduced automatically without too much thought and without too much effort. Namely, two things, protein and vegetables. Now, that doesn't mean everyone has to live off chicken breasts and steamed broccoli, but I do want everybody eating half a plate of vegetables or salad with each of their main meals and a decent amount of protein, at least quarter of a plate of protein. If they just do those two things and those two, those only two things, they're probably going to be reducing their calorie intake without even realizing it because they're just going to be that much more full. Their energy and their blood sugar is going to be that much more stable that they're not going to feel so inclined to binge on sugary high calorie foods um, they'll also feel so much better and it can be applied to pretty much any meal in fact if somebody has very very little nutritional knowledge and is right at the start beginning the first thing I get them to do is just do the vegetables just say right whatever meal you're having could be pie and chips if you half of your plate is vegetables and the other half is what you use to fill up the rest of the foods that's going to be a massive improvement for some people so yeah it's just keeping it simple and that can be applied to any meal in the world you can go anywhere and um and you could be sausages it could be fish fingers it could be takeaway you name it it could be anything but if you have half a plate of vegetables and a good portion of protein that is a massive step that's really going to help the majority of people it is that's really good advice i think it comes down to the word diet i know we're talking about diets but diet implies weight loss and what you're describing there is a difference between weight loss and health because you can get your calories in two completely different ways and it makes a huge difference. You talked about the energy levels there. How much better do you feel and, and you're more inclined to eat well if you've got energy? When you're low on energy, you want the Mars bar, you want the crisps and the snacks, don't you? The cake. And it's it's perpetual cycle because if you've got if you're eating really poorly and living unhealthily, you're gonna have low energy. 
So you're going to crave sugary, high-calorie snacks for an energy pick-me-up. You're not going to have the energy to exercise. And it just perpetuates. You know, you get into this vicious cycle where you can't feel like you can get out of it. Whereas once you get off that train and you and you feel good, however you achieve that feeling good, suddenly you do want to exercise. You're mentally clearer. You've got more motivation. You've got more physical energy. And and suddenly it becomes easy because you really feel the benefits of living well. And who doesn't want to feel good? Once you start really feeling good by doing certain things, you're not going to want to stop doing them because you're going to enjoy feeling really good. Yeah. The problem is though, people, a lot of people don't realize how good they can feel. They, um, they're stuck in this way and they've been that way forever. Whereas you look at maybe the other end of scale, maybe us where, if you have that, that can of Coke or you have that chocolate, you get that slump and think, God, I don't want to feel like this again. But people are walking around feeling like that all the time and they don't realize what good actually feels like. Yeah, and that is something that isn't, you can't force that on them. That's just going to have to come once they've made those changes. You can tell them till you're blue in the face how much energy they'll have and how good they'll feel, but they're not going to believe you until they genuinely feel it. So as professionals, we've just got to concentrate on making them take the action steps and the processes to getting there and get them to trust us and put faith in the process. And then once those feelings come, then they'll believe it and go, oh yeah, Mark was right, Polly was right. You know, I trusted the process and I just thought I'd go with it. And I'm sure you've got clients as I've as I've hired. We've had as I've hired, I've got we've got clients that some of them are just so reluctant and they're so hard work getting them to to get the ball rolling and they just say, Oh, but I really wanted this and oh it was a really bad day. And then you've got other ones who just said, right, I'm gonna commit to this. I don't know if it's gonna work or not but I may as well just give it a go. And they go for it. They just do as they're told. They don't think too much about it. They just do as they're told. And at the end of it, they go, wow, I never actually thought I could, it would really work that well. And it does, but they've got to figure that out for themselves by going through those processes. And um, I think sometimes focusing on the processes to get there and the action steps to get there is more important than the end result because the end result for some people can be so far away especially if they've got a lot of weight to lose they're eating junk and sugary snacks all day long to be super fit healthy eating a really clean diet and looking and feeling amazing is so far off they can't even see that that's too far off but we just go through and focus on the little steps it takes to get there focus on getting those vegetables in getting that protein going for walks you know walking around when you're on the phone when you're texting people getting physically active not sitting down at every opportunity the end result will come naturally so but i do think that focusing on those, those action steps to get you there is is the way forward yeah. It is. And you said about my clients, a lot of my clients are obviously over 40 and that they're, they're obese as well. And they're in such a bad place. They have been for a while that weight loss is quite difficult to begin with. Metabolism is slow. They've got stress going on. They've got relationship issues. They've got kids to bring up and they're so lost that weight loss is really difficult, but they focus on scale weight and they're, they're so intent on losing weight on the scales. But then it's hard to begin with. And the first few weeks go by, maybe they're not losing the weight because again, metabolism needs to kick in, things like that. But they'll come to me and say, I'm not losing weight. I'm a bit disappointed, but my energy levels have gone up. I'm sleeping better. My skin's clearer. All these other things. Maybe I've, I've um, 
dropped her trouser size, but the scale weight hasn't changed. Oh, isn't that amazing that you're getting the energy levels and you're sleeping better and you, f- you feel great, you feel happier, feel more confident? Yeah, it is, but I want to lose the weight on scales. People are still too focused on that. and they, In time, they realize the benefits of the energy and the sleeping patterns and everything else, but at the start, they, they just want the numbers to come down on the scales, and that's a big challenge. Hey, this is Mark Slight from Health Buddy. I want to know if you've taken the Health Buddy Challenge yet. A short five-day program covers every aspect of your life so that you can look move and feel your best if you want to try the health buddy challenge head over now to healthbuddy.fit and take the challenge today and it's a bit of a catch-22 because we've got to speak the language that they understand if we say uh, do you want to lose weight or they say they want to lose weight we each know what each other's means if we were to start talking about things like body recomposition they don't understand what that is what we want them to do is to build muscle while burning fat and all of these other physiological changes but they don't understand that so we talk about weight loss as well knowing that they'll understand what we're talking about but on the other hand weight is a number on the scale and where i only coach women we have the added problem of hormones where throughout the month unless they're dropping weight very very fast which i wouldn't even want them to do there is going to be fluctuations and for some women that water retention before their period can be quite substantial and it does look like on the scales they've gained a lot of weight i've had women come to me saying i've gained eight pounds this week and i have to try and reassure them your body cannot turn food into eight pounds of fat in a week Human bodies can't do that. Trust me, it's only water because it's absolutely impossible for your body to do that. No human bodies do that. There's a number of reasons it could be water. It could be hormones and it could be that natural water retention that many women get that's premenstrual. It could be some extra salty foods they've been having or carby foods. If they've been eating a really, really super clean diet throughout the week and then on the weekend they go out and have it doesn't have to be a lot it could be one pizza but the extra carbs and salt in that pizza and not that that's a bad thing treats are absolutely fine but the result is the extra carb loading and salt in that and possibly sugar as well is going to bump up the water content in their body a little bit and again it is only water um, but it freaks them out no end it really really does and it demotivates them and it makes them go, oh, what's the point? I've been really, really good. And all I've done is put on eight pounds. Why should I even bother? And it's really important that we try and reassure them and make sure they don't throw in the towel, throw the, throw the baby out with the bathwater and they stay on track and they don't lose motivation because as soon as people get demotivated, they, they do, they just want to give up. They feel like they can't do it. They feel like it's not working, like they're doing everything wrong and there's no point carrying on. And we've got to make sure they keep going, keep going just that little bit longer, one more day, one more day. And, and suddenly they go, Oh, it's all gone again. I'm like, yep. You just peed it all out again, haven't you? So (laughs) it was water after all. Um, I've had exactly that. Actually a client exactly the same amount of weight as well. She rung me on a Monday uh, she checked in, so I've lost two pounds this week. Really happy. She rang me on the Thursday in tears because she jumped on the scales again. Um, she was eight pounds up, and I said exactly that. If you if you go back to calories and you know you've got to drop three and a half thousand calories a week to lose a pound, you you've put on eight pounds. Do you realise how much food that's telling you you've actually eaten and you haven't? You know you haven't. You know it's water. You know there's another reason behind it. It's not. You haven't put on eight pounds of fat 
in, in four days. It's just not possible to do that. Yeah, totally, totally. So, but we've got to keep that motivation going and then have and keep reassuring them. And that comes back to the, uh, the knowledge as well and the science and, and teaching them all these things. So they don't go saying, oh, well, I had this at the weekend. I had the reason I've put on four pounds at the weekend is because that one gin and tonic. I'm like, no, one gin and tonic is not going to put on four pounds. You know, we have to educate and go, no, at the end of the day, it's calories that matter most. Then after that, weight could be determined by um, the amount of muscle you've got. If you've suddenly started exercising and toning up and building muscle, that might actually make you either gain weight or not lose weight by the scales. But then they'll say, oh, but actually my, my clothes are looser, but the scale says I haven't lost any weight and I want to lose weight. I'm like, hang on a minute. You're shrinking. You're clearly shrinking. But you, what would you rather be? Would you rather be smaller if your goal is to lose weight or would you rather be a number on the scale and they go oh yeah I suppose I suppose it isn't really about the actual number um they go it's not about that number at all that is scales are a tool and if somebody is massively overweight they the numbers on the scale are going to go down but the lower you the lower weight you get the closer you get to a healthy weight the less those numbers matter because then you you may not get down to the weight that you originally thought you were going to get to but nevertheless you've got so much more muscle on you that you're heavier even though you look a lot smaller yeah. and again that we've got to reassure them that that it's it's not about the number on the scale um and actually i get my mum's tracking the number of different ways um as many ways as possible so that they get a really broad spectrum of how their body's changing. Yes, we do scale weight, but also measurements with a tape measure, um, energy levels and mood, hunger, cravings. Because if they're losing weight at a steady rate, but their hunger's through the roof, they're not sleeping, they're miserable, they're craving sugar the whole time, something's got to change. I don't care if they're losing weight. Something's gone wrong there and we need to start making them feel good. Because if they don't feel good, they're going to stop at some point their willpower will run out and they will stop everything they're doing and just go right back to the start so they need to be feeling good as well we need to be making sure all of that is is aligned too that's really really important it's not just yeah. about the weight; it's about health too it is but unfortunately we're so conditioned to to jump on the scales and things like silly world and weight watchers with your sort of public weigh-ins don't really help but as you said they're a tool and they work to a degree and they work for certain people. Um, BMI index is another one, um, works for certain people at certain sizes. When you get to a certain weight, they don't work. I've got quite a bit of muscle. I'm actually classed as, as overweight, quite heavily overweight on the BMI scale. It's absolute nonsense, but it will work more probably for people that are severely overweight, severely obese. It, it'll be a good guidance for them maybe, but once you get to a certain age range, BMI index doesn't work. Same, same as scales don't really work for me because my scale weight never changes, but my body composition can change drastically. If I took pictures, that's another, I'm sure you use that with your clients to take pictures. Yeah, as well. photos um, as well. Yeah, and, and that's, that's huge. And that, that for me is, is my marker, what, what I look like, how my clothes fit rather than the scale weight. But... It's common sense though as well. Um, I see recently there's lots of initiatives to try and counter childhood obesity and they're thinking of weighing children in schools and taking them to doctors, getting weighed and what. And I'm like, 
that's going to be awful for them. I mean, you talked about the, the public weighing at Slimming World and Weight Watchers and how that can really be demotivating. So many women are humiliating getting on that scale, realizing they haven't lost anything that week and the, the look they get given by everybody else, you know, and the tuts. And it's awful. And do we really want to be inflicting that on children who are so vulnerable, who have got so many more important things to think about? And whether they're children or adults, personally, I think it's common sense whether somebody's overweight or not. You can't necessarily see their entire health internally, like you can with, say, blood tests and other health markers. But to look at, you know whether somebody is carrying too much body fat or not. You don't need to put them on the scales. I could just you can look at people and say, yeah, you, you know, that person needs to lose a bit of fat. Ideally, that person's okay. You know, you don't even need the scales to do that. But yeah, as you say, people are so conditioned to using scales as a marker of who they are in their entirety, let alone their health. Um, and it really, really doesn't matter nearly as much. I mean, rugby players are a classic example. You know, they are incredibly muscly bodybuilders. They're very, very heavy, even yourself. You know, you're not even big to look at. And yet by the scales, you're overweight. So these bodybuilders and, and rugby players, they are morbidly obese if you put them on the scales. But they're incredibly fit and strong. And it's very, very misleading. It is. And the last thing we want to be doing is doing that to kids, I think. Um, I've loved having such a focused approach to diets. There's so much on the podcast. We talk about the, the, the other aspects of mental strength and everything else, which is really important, but this is the first time for a little while we've talked, um, so focused on diets and, and weight loss, which is really cool. We're going to come back in a couple of days. We're going to talk about it even more. Um, and we're going to fight, give, give some people some good healthy tips as well. Time-saving tips in part two. So thank you so much. I'll speak to you again in a couple of days. Brilliant. There we go. I wasn't lying, was I? What an amazing episode that was. It's been that long since I've talked about calories myself. Actually, listening to Pollyanna there was was almost like going back to school for me. It was really great from my own point of view to go back and and go through them basics again. And and I've got to tell you, since we recorded this, I actually used a lot of them hints and tips that Pollyanna gave there and and started to look at my own nutrition again. Because as I said at the start, we we can get lost. We can, um, particularly as professionals, we can try and fine-tune ourselves so much but we just get a little bit lost in all the all the little micronutrients and everything else that we're trying to do um taking it back to basics and, and calories and macronutrients every now and again is a great thing for us to do as well and definitely something i've done since speaking to pollyanna so i can't wait to bring her back for the next episode as well because she's going to give us some great time-saving tips towards the end of the next episode which i know is going to help me and I know that a lot of my clients and a lot of the listeners are suffering with not having enough hours in the day so if that's you if you're trying to juggle the kids the family life the work balance everything else this is the one for you to listen to because you're going to get some great time saving tips now what I did say is that I'd share something from one of my friends who reached out after my last episode went live and that is um as you know, the previous episode was all about my father and, and the heart attacks that he had and, and, and the stresses that that put on myself and my mother at the time. And it's something that now we have to deal with. Uh, fortunately, my father is still with us, but it's something that we have to deal with now for certainly the rest of his life. Um, he's not he's not functioning to his best abilities. His body is is broken to a degree, um, which, is a, which is a big shame. But obviously, we're still very grateful that he's here, but it does put a stress on on him and on us as a family as well and one of the things that led to this was he retired 
a few years earlier. I think he retired when he was about 59 to 60 years old, which is the dream, right? Isn't that what we all want? We all want to retire early. Sod this work until we're 70, Lark. We want to finish now. We want to finish as early as possible so that we've got as much time with, if you like, a good body and a good mind to enjoy it. You don't want to retire at maybe 70, 72, 73, where maybe you might only have a few more years to live. That's how a lot of people look at it. So they want to retire as soon as possible to make the most of life. And like I said, that's what we've all wanted. That's what we all strive to do is to try and retire early. But my my good friend messaged me the other day and said, that he had a similar problem with his father and he put a lot of it down to the fact that he had retired early and didn't have any activities to keep his mind busy. And that's exactly what happened to my own father. He would retire and then he just thought, that's it, I can relax now, I don't have to do anything. He didn't have any hobbies, didn't have any pastimes, he didn't have anything to do. So he started to look at some part-time work. He'd done a, a little bit of driving here for like auto spares places, that kind of thing. And then that had to stop when he had his heart attacks. But it wasn't enough to keep him focused and busy every day. And he just, he would find that he was just milling around the house. He was just snacking regularly. And he was doing all these little things that he didn't do before, primarily because he was bored and he didn't have, he didn't have anything to fill his days with anymore. So the question was put to me, is early retirement really the sort of golden egg that it's cracked up to be? I'm I'm now not entirely sure that it is. I think maybe... Obviously, we don't want to be working ourselves into the grave and working our, work our bone, working down to our bones. But I do think that we need to keep busy and mentally, especially. Yes, physically is important, but mentally we need to stay sharp and we need to keep our minds active. So, just something there for you to think about as you, as you finish with this episode. And is early retirement the golden egg that it's cracked up to be? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'll leave that with you. You have a think about that. Don't forget to come back in a couple of days where Pollyanna Hale's going to come back. She's going to share these time-saving tips, which I'm telling you now are invaluable in this modern world. So don't miss that. Thanks again for listening, guys and girls. Um, Please head over, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher so you don't miss an episode. Again, if you've got one of these new new fangled phones, it will just flash up a notification on your phone as soon as the next episode is released. So take care. Thanks for listening. I love you all. I'll speak to you again in the next episode.